What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you here on a Tuesday evening as the Chris Paul rumors continue. And who better to have on this podcast than the biggest Chris Paul fan there is? You can find him in the Midwest. You can see him checking out Pacers games back in the day with Paul George. Now he's writing all about the NBA for Forbes. He goes from a Clippers fan to a Suns fan, back to a Clippers fan, and could he be back with the Clippers in the fandom? Shane Young back on the Ethos Clippers podcast. What's up, my guy? I'm doing great, man. Uh, It's hard to believe it's late June, but appreciate you having me on for like the 10th time. But hey, man, every time is better than the last. Dude, I I love chatting with you, and we were saying just before we started this podcast that we should – Probably only go about 30 minutes on this one, since you and I tend to go pretty long. I think the average podcast length when we record is about 50 minutes or so. And this one probably will be a little bit shorter, but who knows? I'm sure we both have some things that we want to say about Chris Paul and how things are going. Um, Before we get into Chris Paul, I do want to hit on one quick thing. And that is that obviously the draft is in two days and you and I have discussed previously at last year, I had you on the podcast and we have both admittedly said that we are not the prospect gurus and you admittedly do not like college basketball at all. I like college basketball, but we're not going to sit here and project what the Clippers are going to do at 30. I think it's a waste of time. Absolutely not. Um, I think there's way too many guys that are going to be in play at that pick. We don't even know if the Clippers are going to use that pick to select somebody for for themselves or for another team. So if you're looking for a draft breakdown, this is not the podcast for you. There are a lot of good podcasts out there that cover this type of stuff. But I got to tell you that if someone's trying to tell you what's going to happen, they have no clue. They really have no clue. Um, the one thing I would love to see is possibly the kid from Indiana, um, your neck of the woods, um, back in the day where you can see a guy who averages close to two blocks a game and that puts up numbers that are silly, like 30 points, 14 rebounds, six assists, five blocks in a game. Like That's exciting stuff for, uh, for me. But again, who knows? I mean, we really have no idea what the Clippers are going to do. And frankly... I had, I believe it was Law on this podcast last year, and we were going through the Clippers picks, and we're like, oh, you know, that th- this could be some good stuff. And I remember back a couple of years ago, we're like, oh, Jason Preston, the Brandon Boston Jr., the Clippers really could have gotten some steals, and they've gotten nothing so far out of those picks. So I'm not going to sit here and hold my breath and discuss the draft because we'll see how it goes. Um, Wemby will go one. Either Scoot or Brandon Miller will go two. The other one will go three. And then I can't tell you basically who the hell the rest of the guys are. So let's talk <laughs> some NBA and let's talk the Clippers and the Chris Paul rumors. Um, I, I want to say something first, Shane, and I want to get your take on it. I cannot wait for all of these rumors to just become an actual trade with whoever yeah. it is because I am so tired of the rumor mill and how we've gone from PG to Portland for Scoot Henderson at number three and Anthony Simons to then we go on to, Hey, the Chris Paul could be acquired via trade. Oh, maybe actually it could be Bradley Beal to then, Oh, maybe back to Chris Paul again in the last couple of days. And then a stupid ass article by Jake Fisher today that brings up, hey, you know, Tyus Jones could end up with the Clippers. I, I want to oh, squ- squash something really quickly. 
Memphis is not trading away their starting point guard just so they can satisfy him because he wants a starting role. Like, he's not going anywhere unless they get something valuable in return. And the one thing that's driving me absolutely insane, Shane, is how everybody in Clipper Nation just wants to go and throw Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nico Batum at all these teams and thinks they're going to get good players in return. Like, that's not how this works. Like, some teams clearly want to take on salaries, but they're not going to do so and give you good talent. Like, that's not how this works. Like, if you look at the Wizards... The only... The only uh, member of that uh, trio you just mentioned that that would have any value. I mean, I, you could say like Nico. I mean, he's he's a little bit older. He's he's older. So I mean, it's yeah. I, I don't really see any of those guys. I mean, Rocco just rode the bench for sixty games a year uh, th- this past year. So uh, it, it's hard to see that trio of players bringing any value back. So yeah, to to think you're going to get a real meaningful upgrade. Um, you might get something, but you're not going to get what you think. Exactly. And I'm just tired of everybody. There are some really good Clipper follows out there. But every time any sort of article comes out that mentions the Clippers, everyone jumps on it and immediately tries to throw Marcus Morris, Robert Cummington, and Nico Batum at them to try and acquire something. Like, that's not going to happen. And with Washington, apparently today, Chris Haynes went on the Dan Patrick show when I was watching, and he mentioned that Robert Covington would possibly be in the deal that goes to Washington for Chris Paul. And listen, if there's anybody that's going to know the value of Robert Covington, it's certainly going to be Michael Winger, who just saw him play yeah. for the Clippers. And who knows if he wanted Rocco to play more because he knows that Rocco certainly had some value. Now he's going to come off the books. And then who knows what the Clippers decide to add in that deal. Their Clippers have a couple yeah. of – go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, like, uh, kind of off the first point you made about um, all these rumors, like like you're, you're mentioning all this, you know, Wizards rumors and stuff and, and Portland stuff that we're hearing. Like, this is kind of new in, in, in terms of, like, the last three years where I don't I don't really recall growing up uh, being a fan of the NBA that you heard, like, all these, like, rumors in the weeks leading up to free agency. Like, I, I feel like when the NBA kind of decided, hey, we're not going to pretend that – free agency starts on July 1st anymore. Like it's already started. It started Mm -hmm. after game five of the finals. So I feel like all this is kind of, I'm with you. I'm kind of over it. I wish that um, there wasn't two or three weeks of rumors, maybe a couple days of it, but I'm, I'm done with the whole like late June is all rumors. And then once we get to free agency, all the, all that just is squashed. Like I I wish it was just be simplified down to a few days. Exactly. And it's before the draft and then it's after the draft. And it's just, It's so frustrating. And just another point with that article is that it mentions that the Clippers have not talked to the Wizards yet. Like that, I I don't believe that because we've already heard both Winhorst and I believe we've heard Woj as well that has mentioned that the Clippers have discussed with the Wizards and talked about Chris Paul. So I just don't buy that article. If you're going to go ahead and quote Jake Fisher, I frankly, I don't follow him. I don't know much about him. But the fact that I haven't heard much about him is going to make me think that not a credible source. So when you go and look at the Woj and the Shams, we know that they very credible stuff. When someone goes and tw- and says something that, hey, Tyus Jones could be a good fit with the Clippers. Like, yeah, no shit. Like, we, we know that. That'd be great to have a point guard in Tyus Jones who, who does a lot. But guess <laughs> a, what? A low, a low turnover point guard. <laughs> right. Yeah, guess what? John Morant's out for 25 games. Like, they have no incentive whatsoever to get rid of him unless they are getting a guy like Fred Van Vliet is what that article mentions. But who knows if they can make that work? So I, I just wanted to address that really quickly. If the rumors are driving me insane, 
please, if you see a rumor, it doesn't mean you can go ahead and retweet it and say the Clippers should go ahead and trade one of their guys. Before it was Kennard, now it's Morris and it's Batum and it's Covington. Like, yeah, Covington has a little bit of value. Batum is getting very old. Like, these are salaries that teams may want to then dump. But like that salary just to dump it is not enough to get rid of a valuable asset. So we'll see no. what happens with Chris Paul. Um, it's possible that he goes and gets traded or he gets waived. So let's go ahead and hit that right away first. What do you think is more likely to happen, Shane? Do you think it's more likely that there's a trade that happens with Chris Paul or that he is waived and he goes and chooses his next team, which is going to most likely be the Clippers or the Lakers. I tend to think a trade's going to happen because I think Washington wants to get some value out of this. What are your thoughts? So, like, I, I kind of lean towards what you said. Like, a trade would probably happen first. But, you know, I, I, you, would, you, would, you would like to say the, the Clippers would probably desire it to be the other way around, where they don't want to give up anything for Chris Paul, right? Because he's 38, going to be 39 in the playoffs next year. So, um they would want it to be like, hey, let's just get Chris for nothing, you know, essentially. Um, but I think also um, another component of that is if you can kind of maybe shed some of those guys that you're not really using or guys that might be um, unhappy with their role, as we saw some reports about Marcus Morris, don't know how true that is. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say that it probably is true. It came from Andrew Greif. So um, take that, you know, I, I'll believe that. But I think if you can kind of consolidate some of those guys, which, you know, is 12 months too late, man. Like it's something that could have happened and yep. should have happened last summer, <laughs> not, not this summer. So um, I, I don't think a trade would be the worst thing in the world if they were to have to get Chris Paul that way. But I think the Clippers would probably rather it be a, a wave and sign. So here's the deal when it comes to the financial aspect of that. So, um, I believe the Clippers only have the vet minimum to use, and yeah. that is about $3 million. Unless it comes as a trade for Chris Paul, then it would be a full salary that would come their way because Chris Paul would obviously come with that. I believe it's going to be $25 million is what it would end up being for Chris Paul, and you have to match the salaries, and that's why we bring up guys like, again, Morris, Batum, Covington, and why their names are floated around, which, by the way— And Chris— those guys are and Chris has made assets. and Chris has made three hundred thirty million dollars in his career. So. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I mentioned those three guys, and I just said that you're not going to get anything valuable for him. Like Chris Paul, and we'll just have a discussion later. Is not quite not quite Tyus Jones. I'd much rather have Tyus Jones than Chris Paul in the long yeah. term. Um, he's much younger. Chris Paul has shown that he can't stay healthy. But for what the Clippers are, we'll discuss it. It may make sense to get him. So you you mentioned that the Clippers may want him to get waived. Here's the issue with that. Um, he can obviously choose wherever he wants. And if money does play a factor and you just mentioned how much he's made, the Clippers only have that vet minimum, which is about 3 million. The Lakers can offer about 12 million. So if it comes to money, the Lakers are going to win that battle. And mm -hmm. I don't think the Clippers want this to go to um, a possible choose your destination for Chris Paul, because I personally think it's more likely he chooses the Lakers and joins LeBron James and also gets more money in the process and joins Anthony Davis than it is him joining Kawhi and PG. Do you agree or disagree? Agree with that. I totally agree with that because if he has the choice between those teams, 
Um, although I don't think money, like maybe I'm wrong on this, but I just don't think for his age and his career stature at this point, like I don't think money is going to be the factor, but I think having the chance to play with his best friend, LeBron, having a chance to play with a guy that's in his prime and AD, um, I, I think even though he's good friends with Ty Lue, which, you know, is another component we'll get into. Um, I think that seeing what they did in the West finals and, you know, being right there, you know, they got swept by Denver, but being right there close to the finals, that would appeal to him. Yeah. I, I just wonder, um, cause you just mentioned earlier, you said the Clippers may want him to get waived because that means that they wouldn't have to go up any assets. But then we also just agree that if he is waived, the most likely he chooses the yeah. Lakers. He most likely chooses the Lakers. So uh, I don't think I think you're just going to have to give up something if you're the Clippers. And you and I have talked about this at length, and I've talked about this a lot with Justin Wilson. Is that we just saw in the playoffs that you really only see seven guys on the floor, and so as much as Clipper Nation wants to go and hoot and holler about certain guys. And I've mentioned this several times in this podcast, whether it's someone like Musa Diabate when he comes to the rotation or a guy like Bones Highland and that how these guys need playing time in the postseason. Like realistically, there's only going to be seven guys you trust. And so you mentioned that they should have consolidated earlier and you're spot on. I mean, the Clippers had all of these contracts. They had all these guys that Everyone was talking about their depth, and the depth sounded great. But guess what? The depth doesn't matter when you, A, don't have your stars, because if yeah. you do, if the depth doesn't mean absolute diddly, because cool, hey, we have Marcus Morris, we have Robert Covington in case Kawhi gets hurt. Like, okay, yeah, but you're still screwed. So the depth doesn't do anything, because in the postseason, you're not going to need the depth. So the Clippers should have done and should have traded some of those guys before. Um, but now that they're kind of stuck, we'll see what they can do. So that brings us to Chris Paul. And why the two go hand in hand in terms of being stuck. And they're obviously committed to Paul George and for Kawhi Leonard for another year at minimum. You have these contracts that I have said I don't think many teams will want. Um, We'll see if I am wrong. But by the way, it's possible the Clippers attach a draft pick to those and maybe get something that they actually do want. But I'm not sure how many guys um, are going to be worth trading a first round pick. Because I think the Clippers have two first-round picks now that they can trade. And so do they trade one of those picks along with a salary to get something back? We'll have to see. So I talked about this in the last podcast with Matt, but it really feels like the Clippers are in a really bad situation with the salary cap and with the CBA. And so when a guy like Chris Paul comes on the market, there aren't very many game-changer-type guys that you can have in the postseason that will be acquired cheap unless you are the Phoenix Suns. You somehow get Bradley Beal. So... I think this is a thing the Clippers should do. Um, You have gone through all of these aging point guards. We've gone through John Wall. We've gone through Rondo. (laughs) We've gone through Westbrook, and now it's Chris Paul. It feels like the Clippers are just trying to trim around the edges. But I don't think there's a whole lot else you can do unless you pull off some masterpiece of a trade that involves draft picks and possibly Terrence Mann, which I think makes no sense whatsoever because you need to go and keep a guy like Terrence Mann. So tell me why you think Chris Paul would be a good fit with this basketball team. Well, I, you know, you actually said something first that um, I kind of wanted to touch on. Like you said that you think the Clippers are in a really bad spot with the salary cap. Yeah. Like, totally agree. Because the only teams, Brandon, that are in a, I wouldn't even say good spot, because it's just financial burden all around what the league has done. But um 
especially like decentivizing going into the repair tax. Like you see what Golden State's going to pay and and total penalties this year. It's going to be upwards of $500 million to field a team. (laughs) It's just nuts. But I think the teams that are okay doing that are Golden State and Phoenix, um, those kind of, and Boston, the teams that have the talent and and that that can make the finals that have proven all three of those teams have made the finals, right? Um, Teams that, have such young top end talent, you know, Devin Booker, Bradley Bill, I guess, you know, you can call Bill Young, he's 30. Um, but it's the teams that, that have the stars that they can count on, right? When it comes to the Clippers, who have the most expensive roster in the league, what, what, what are you getting out of it? You're getting a first round, second round exit, the, you know, the last few years. It's like, it's not really worth the squeeze um, with Boston. Phoenix and the Warriors, yeah, they don't mind that they have such ridiculous bills uh, that are due in the offseason when the next season starts because they kind of get what they expect out of it. Um, And I think that's, you know, that's what Phoenix saw. Phoenix saw an opportunity to like blow past the second apron because they had, it's better than just being a mediocrity. Like you have to try to go for it. Um, But, but to your, to your question, I think Chris Paul, it all comes down to because we know that he's 38. We know he's slower than he used to be. We know he's not even as good as his 2022 or 2021 finals run. We know that for sure. I think it's the intelligence, the leadership, all the intangibles, um, the low turnover rate, the ability to get the Clippers. Um, you know, I kind of hate the whole like, you know, you have to get them organized and everything like that. But this dude knows how to run a pick and roll. This dude knows how to set up his bigs. This dude. He, he's not afraid and not scared to tell Kawhi or to tell PG what they need to do on a given possession to really get on them. And he's an extension of the coach. And I think even more so than Russ um, doesn't have the athleticism that Russell Westbrook has does definitely doesn't has never had the burst that Russ has to get to the rim. But um, I kind of just feel like if they had Chris Paul last year, they probably end up with the same fate as they did with the Russ team um, in the first round exit. So it, I don't really see a, a, a huge difference there. I just think his intelligence and his off-ball shooting threat, and I think just the, how teams will defend him in the half court is meaningfully better than what they have. So I think he would be really good for Zoo uh, because we yeah. saw what he did with DeAndre Jordan. And granted, this is not the same Chris Paul, but Zoo is a much more skilled offensive player than DeAndre Jordan. So I think that'll be very helpful for Zoo to have a guy like Chris Paul. But you did mention something that I want to discuss, and we're going to go a little bit all over the place in terms of what Chris Paul brings to your team. We know the Lob City Clippers had a major problem in the locker room, and that Mm -hmm. seemed to be a feud between Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, and how Blake didn't like how Chris Paul was in your face. And he did tell you if you messed up. And I do wonder... Is that what this team needs? Do they need somebody that is going to be vocal and is going to possibly be a guy in the locker room that gets on players and could possibly disrupt any sort of team chemistry? Because the one thing we have discussed with this team when it comes to someone being vocal is that they really don't have anybody. And Paul George is pretty quiet. Kawhi is very quiet. And so perhaps a guy like Chris Paul would be great for this team. We saw that Russell Westbrook did inject a little bit of that when he came over. So maybe this team needs that. But at the same time, you got a really tight rope that you got to balance on because 
it seems like some of these guys are pretty fragile mentally and Chris Paul could crush them and could really disrupt the locker room. That, that That's what I'm a little bit afraid of. Oh, for sure. I, it, it's always a concern with Chris. Uh, love it or hate it, it's always a concern. But the reason I would not be – like the reason I wouldn't go that far in terms of thinking back to the Lob City days, I think Chris is way past that now at 38 compared to – he was in the just square of his prime, man. Like he really thought he was still the alpha. I don't think he comes in believing he's the alpha by any stretch. I think he understands like, Hey, this is T Lou's team. This is Kawhi's team. And you know, if, if you think about it, I don't really believe unless you want to kind of say a little bit with Deandre Aiden, I don't think he had any concerns in the three years in Phoenix there. Like I don't, I don't remember any teammate come, you know, saying publicly or, or privately that we that you know got leaked to the media that it rubbed him the wrong way uh maybe da that's just because da is deandre ayton and that's yeah. uh kind of how he is i mean monty williams got on the helm and he couldn't take it yeah <laughs> so Bo- think, booker maybe, loved him maybe, booker maybe, has come out saying how much he loves chris paul exactly and Kawhi and, and cp i know for a fact have a relationship when i was in chicago for 2020 all-star weekend they were talking like nonstop Friday and Saturday when I was there. Um, so, and you, and you kind of saw that like when, when the Clippers beat the Suns on that final day of the season uh, to kind of clinch that playoff spot, CP comes up to him in the post game interview and they're talking. So I think you have that pre-existing relationship. And I, I know we, I know we all saw the clips roaming around on social media of uh, CP and, and T Lou talking on uh, the shop on that show, uh, mm-hmm. the, you know, LeBron's, media company does so that relationship is there kind of the same way monty williams coached chris paul before and those two got along great um in the three years in phoenix so i kind of see it as an extension of, of the sun or the of the sun's years where a guy like that comes in albeit older albeit worse than he was three years ago um but i don't know about you but i i saw flashes of of what cp can bring in that first round series i mean the last game in crypto.com arena game four, I believe on that afternoon uh, game, like he had 17 in the fourth quarter, I believe, you know, it's going to come in small pockets, small spurts, but um, the biggest concern, which I know you're going to mention, I know everyone is going to mention is why bring in a guy that is going to play 50 to 60 games. If that, like, you know, uh, it seems like always something with Chris with injuries. And I will say like regular season wise, it's not that big of a deal because I don't think he's had, you know, he's had minor things the last couple of years, but you can never predict the future. Maybe, maybe he becomes more injury prone. Um, maybe there's even more things that are, that are lower. It's, it always seems like a lower body or, or a hand issue with him. Maybe more of those creep up uh, next year. So it's always a risk, man. And I know that Russ is a safer bet on the injury um, plane, if you will, but, it's, you know, I, I kind of would value the higher end, the ceiling. I think Chris gives you a higher ceiling than Russ gives you. Let's talk about both of those. Um, the Talk about the Russ, or rather the CP factor in the locker room. Let's hit that first, and I do want to discuss the health factor. So there was a report that I think Law Murray talked about from The Athletic that when you go to the locker room, that those guys certainly favored Westbrook over Chris Paul and they go back to the end of the Suns Clippers series and how that ended, and how Chris Paul pissed off some Clippers players. 
I do want to bring something up. You look at that roster. It's not really the same now as it was during that series. I mean, obviously, you've got Zoo. And if you do end up getting rid of Marcus Morris, then it's Zoo, Man, Kawhi, PG, Amir Coffey, Batum. Those are the only guys left on that roster from that series. So you got rid of the guys like Lou Williams, who was on that roster during that season. Rajon Rondo, obviously you got rid of Lou Williams to get Rajon Rondo. Um, then you look at a guy like Demarcus Cousins; he's not on the roster anymore. You look at get rid of Ibaka was on that roster at one point. Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, like there has been turnover from that roster. So I don't really buy into that point a whole lot. That the Clippers roster certainly favored Russell Westbrook a lot more than they would welcome Chris Paul. I think that they would welcome Chris Paul because. He is a guy that is proven to make teams better. I mean, you look at what he did when he went to a pretty bad basketball team in New Orleans. He yeah. immediately literally made them everywhere he goes. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. And and the Clippers are a team that frankly underachieved last year. I mean, there's no doubt about it, they underachieved. And that brings me to the point that you brought up when it comes to health. And when you have Chris Paul alongside Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, that's three of your starters right there that you know will not play the entire season and most likely will not play more than 60 to 65 games between the three of them that you won't have any of those three get probably more than 65 games. So here's the thing. The regular season has been an issue and the Clippers have not taken the regular season seriously. So the question is, how do you balance that taking the regular season seriously with having three guys that frankly don't take the regular season seriously? That's a very tough situation to be in. And frankly, I think the Clippers have already backed themselves so far into a hole by having them, by having, uh, by having PG and Kawhi that you can't really take the regular season seriously with those two guys on your roster. So you might as well just add yeah. a third guy that is more likely to help you in the postseason than the regular season. Yeah. I, you know, I, I totally get it. Um, the regular season is just not. <laughs> just not going to be what these guys are known for and yeah. and that sucks because like Lawrence Frank you could clearly tell he was upset in the po- in the um exit interviews this season uh a couple months ago when they got put out because you know he said we got to get back to value in the regular season and and how do you do that if you bring in an in another older piece you know kind of it's kind of counterintuitive but you know i think uh it's funny you mentioned it's funny you kind of mentioned like how they've underperformed in the regular seasons, because I think it all comes down to timing, man. Like, could you imagine whenever CP, I can't remember, was he, he was traded from OKC to Phoenix, right? It was a trade. Uh, I believe believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So could you imagine though, if that is when the Clippers pounced on that? Like if, if that version of CP is with those guys, they win the 2021 championship. Like I'm not even like, I'm, I'm very adamant about that. Um, if they got him then, but you know, timing sucks because if this is when you get them, then uh, it, it, it's definitely a huge risk in the in the injury department. But I'm curious what you think about this from the standpoint of maybe like even if CP is 60, 50, 40 percent, let's say 40, 50 percent of what he what he was um, just a few years ago, he's still a great pull up shooter, still a great voice, um, still as you said, Zoo would benefit monumentally i mean this guy has already been through a, a handful of point guards i mean name your name your veteran point guard and zoo has played with them so far so i think um 
even if Chris is not playing well and he's just okay, I think from a preparation standpoint, um, I don't, I mean, I'm not in the Clippers locker room, you know, even the people that are there every day are not really seeing the, t- the film sessions and the preparations, like the media don't get to see that. But I think just from a behind the scenes standpoint and getting everyone on the same page and, and knowing tendencies and knowing game plan, I think, I don't really think they've had a point guard, maybe Rondo that's helped them in the degree that CP would in that, in that regard. Yeah, and I really just believe that they just can't take the regular season seriously anymore with those three guys. And so you bring up good points in terms of what he brings to your team. And by the way, that trade was um, four players in a first-round pick. So the Suns sent Rubio, Ubre, Jerome, and some guy I've never heard of along with a first-round pick to OKC. Yeah, um, and, and he wanted to go, and he yeah. wanted to go to Phoenix. Like you know, yeah. Booker sold him on that, but. It just makes you think, like, all these years of trying to get the point guard, trying to get the point guard, like, it was right there for them yep. after the bubble. So Let me ask you something, um, because we just discussed how those are three guys in CP, PG, and Kawhi that are not really available during the regular season. One guy who is available is Russell Westbrook. And you and I were yeah. pretty vocal um, when Westbrook was acquired that the tr- it didn't really make sense at all. And... Um, I think we both were pleasantly surprised with what he was able to bring the Clippers. Um, He did pretty well in the postseason. I do want to bring something up, and I know you're going to agree with me here. There's a big difference in what Russell Russell Westbrook did during the postseason and the numbers he put up and how he carried the Clippers to what he would be doing if Kawhi and PG were healthy. Like, we have established that Russell Westbrook is a guy that when given the reins is going to do well. Like we know that, but we also know that he's not a great fit probably with Kawhi and PG on the floor. And so here's my question to you. If you're able to get Chris Paul in a trade, do you bring back Russell Westbrook and have both of those guys? Uh, Because you know that you're going to have three guys in Chris Paul, Paul George, and Kawhi that are not going to be available during the regular season all the time. So does it make sense to have a guy like Russell Westbrook who will be available, or do you think it's a very bad idea? I'm actually like normally whenever someone asks me a question on a podcast like this, it's a very clear yes or no, and here's the reason why. Uh, That's just typically how it goes. But I don't know. Am I allowed to say that? Because I I just I don't know. Like. There's part of me, like 40% of me, that believes it could work. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love CP as a player, like you have to understand Russ is faster. Russ can get to the rim. Russ is bigger and stronger at this point. Like you probably start him and see if CP wants to come off the bench, right? And, and, and play a limited role, preserve him for the playoffs manage his minutes manage his games hey you're not playing every third or fourth night sorry chris (laughs) you know that's just what it is russ can russ can be the available one but then there's part of me that's like man that's just adding like two negative defenders at this stage i mean i I don't want to call chris a negative defender i guess i just did but like people will target him i mean he's older slower smaller it is what it is like I don't know if they. I don't know if there's room for two of those type of point guards on the team. If that makes sense. Well, Westbrook showed a little bit defensively in that postseason. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he showed sure. some energy, and he I mean, he had a great block. I believe he was on Booker on the baseline, so he certainly got some defensive chops when he wants to. 
Um, and he's got a little, he's obviously got way more speed. It's a very different dynamic with Russell Westbrook as your point guard versus Chris Paul. And it's interesting that you bring up the, would he start? Would he come off the bench if Russell Westbrook was there? And I have a very similar answer to you. I'm not quite sure what makes the most sense. I could see both scenarios because I could see the scenario where you say, you know what? He's probably not a great fit next to Paul George and Kawhi. But then I see the other scenario that's like, well, listen, those guys are always hurt. It's nice to have a guy who's on the floor that's going to help you win regular season games. And if you want to take the regular season seriously, then Russell Westbrook is probably a guy that you want to have on your roster because he can help you out a little bit when those guys are hurt. So I think I tend to lean a little bit towards bring back Russell Westbrook alongside Chris Paul. And here's my only thing is that we saw Terrence Mann start at point guard before the yeah. all before the all-star break and he did very well. I think one underrated aspect of bringing in Chris Paul is that he could possibly mentor Terrence Mann a little bit and a little bit of a passing <laughs> the torch. I don't know if he'd be okay doing that. Um I mean if he would acknowledge where he is career-wise, but if you bring Russell Westbrook in, then Terrence Mann's definitely not going to be much of a ball handler because you're already going to have Westbrook and you're going to have Chris Paul on the team. So that's one negative of having two point guards like that on your roster is that that role for Terrence Mann possibly gets diminished. And that brings us also again to the only so many guys can play in the postseason. And if you have Zoo, Kawhi, and you have PG, you have Westbrook, you have Chris Paul, then again, do we get in a situation where Terrence Mann is knocking the minutes he deserves? That's something that I could envision happening and what you don't want to see. Yeah, uh, you know, credit to Terrence Mann, because every time Terrence gets uh, pushed back in the rotation for another point guard, <laughs> he always comes back and says, like, hey, man, another great learning experience for me. Like, who wouldn't want to learn from John Wall, Rondo, and, and Russ? Mm-hmm. And I guess you can add CP to, the, to that list, but now that you mentioned that, that's interesting because like I, I kind of get the vibe. I got the vibe from that first round series that Terrence didn't quite like a lot of CP's antics. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see how that would how that would go. But yeah, I mean, you you, you want someone to teach Terrence the way you know the, the way how to play. Like, I mean, there's no one better. And maybe you know, as much as people hate the antics and hate the uh foul drawing and and uh, whatever you want to call it foul baiting i guess you can say like maybe terrence can learn some of that so it's a good point like i think i think cp would just bring a lot to the locker room uh and you know that's not to diminish what russ brought like russ was not the vampire or cancer i think that was pretty ridiculous right like from the the lakers perspective like unless he was just completely botching that situation to get out of out, out of the lakers locker room like he was a complete 180 from that uh, with the Clippers. So, you know, not to say that Russ wouldn't be that as well, but I think um, I think someone like PG, who PG doesn't really, for just from what we've seen on tape and the games they've played, he doesn't really vibe with uh, with, with Chris Paul. And that's kind of what Law Murray, by the way, is talking about, I think, is, you know, Kawhi is a good friend with, with Chris Paul. I don't think PG is. I don't think PG and CP have a relationship. So, Maybe that's kind of where that that uh, dilemma is, but I think he would benefit greatly from that too because he's been around Russ. He's been on, around Russ for two or three years as a teammate. He's it's always good to have another fresh perspective, and I think that would benefit Paul George and make him more. You want you want to uh, hold PG more accountable, which Jesus Christ, like this guy seems to not want the spotlight. This yeah. this guy seems to want to be the the fourth option on a team. I think Chris would really 
kick him into gear and say, hey, man, like it, it, it's you. You're the best player. That You're the most skilled player on this team. Show yeah, it. you would hope that his, one of his best friends and uh, Russell Westbrook would have done that. But yeah. yeah, it's his mentality. And that's what I was saying earlier with that. If uh, I do fear that he would break some people because they're not mentally strong enough. And Paul George is certainly one of those guys where he has come out and said, I don't want that first possession of the ball game. And you know, what? I don't want him to have the ball handling duties like a lot of I don't want to be that guy. And I, I'm OK being the Robin to the Batman of uh, Kawhi, like a lot of sitting back and being passive. And you're right. Maybe Chris Paul is the guy to kick him in the ass. Like, listen, dude, like, look where you are in your career. You have a chance to be great and you really can help this team win a title. And so maybe he does need something like that. I I just don't know if he has it in him. And one guy that we haven't really mentioned a whole lot on this podcast, by the way, and we mentioned the Morris Batum Covington trio, another salary that's kind of in that area is Norman Powell. And that's one guy I don't think you can give up because he is some, someone that can give you offense. And if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are going to miss games, which they will, you need someone that's going to go ahead and score 25 to 30 points in a game when you need him to. And not many guys on your roster can do that. And so I think you really need to keep Norman Powell. And I think the Clippers would do a massive disservice to themselves if they trade away either Norman Powell or Terrence Mann without getting an all-star caliber guy in return. Yeah, uh Norm kind of just flies under the radar, right? Like, yeah. this dude's like a 20-point-per-game guy, and we don't even think about him until, you know, it. you're done with all the, the trades and all the all the nonsense, all the rumors. But, um, man, like this, this team, have you ever seen a team so deep, but yet it doesn't matter? Yep. Like, at the same time, like, they, they feel so deep and, and so great and so well-rounded, but for for what? It just doesn't, the results don't bear out. It's it's wild. I know. And that's what it, I was discussing earlier with everyone's talking about the depth and how the Clippers are so great because they have depth. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like if your stars can't stay healthy, depth means absolutely deadly squat. So it, it's, yeah. a, it's about being a healthy team. And I mean, you saw a healthy team in the NBA finals. You saw the Denver Nuggets and those guys were, their star players were available and they were available the entire postseason, And that's why they were successful. And that brings me to the final thing that I want to discuss. How was it, man? How was covering the NBA finals? Dude, you want to talk about a just whirlwind, uh, man, the amount of people that you bump shoulders with that just everyone's there for whether it's team guys, whether it's league guys that you've listened to on podcasts for years and years, like, that that's number one and first and foremost, just the amount of basketball conversations you can have. But to see that, and I got to be honest, like this playoff run was the first time I saw Nikola Jokic up in, up close in person and watched him play. Um, to see the dominance, to see the sheer just dominance from the post, uh, the touch he has on all of his shots, the pick and roll game with Jamal Murray. Um, watching the Denver Nuggets play basketball is almost, and I mean almost equivalent to watching like peak warriors. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's wild to see in person. And I, I think, I think it was interesting for me because, you know, you're around the heat. I, I've been around the heat probably more than any other team in the league. Um, just because, you know, they were in the East finals with PG and those Pacers two years, um, they're they're just a constant mainstay or mainstay in the Eastern Conference in terms of getting into the finals and being there. I think this is like six or seven finals for Spo. So 
just see the competition. Although it didn't go as long as you wanted it to, it wasn't a, it wasn't a really competitive series. But man, I, I know you've been in the building for some great games. To yeah. see a final game like that game five come down to the wire where every stop mattered and it wasn't some home blowout that was anticlimactic, like that was that was meaningful. I would say I would put last year's finals personally. I would put the 2022 finals for me, the Celtics and Warriors above that one, just in terms of how it felt, because you really didn't know who was going to win. I think everyone knew, everyone in the world knew that Denver was going to get that done. Give me your best story from your time covering the finals. And I think it may have to do with Jamal Crawford, but I'm Uh, curious if there's anything else or if that's uh, the main one. So I guess real quick on the Jamal Crawford thing, like no one knew. I I think what's funny about that is that no one knew he was going to show up. So I get an Uber to the location, to University of Miami court to play. And I get out. I get out and I'm walking up. I'm trying to find the entrance. I see another Uber pull up. It is Jamal Crawford and Chris Miles, his co-host with NBA TV. I'm like, dude, I better just leave. Like, I have no purpose here. You're going to kill us all. But luckily, if he's on your team, he's passing you the ball. He, he's making sure you're you're getting shots up. So. If he's on your team, it's good, but I, I felt sorry for the other people, the other poor souls on that court. Uh, I, I don't really know. I, I think I think another uh, maybe funny story is like just walking down the hallway and seeing Pat Riley mm-hmm. so like locked in. This dude is just going to be sitting in the stands. He's not coaching. He's not playing. He's not even talking to Spolstra. Like this dude just looks absolutely fierce, <laughs> and and you could tell like he is the NBA's godfather to see him in Denver. Um, this was game two, the game that Miami stole in that arena. I mean, this dude was just stone-faced, didn't talk to anybody. You were kind of petrified to even say anything to him. So I think that's another one. There, there's plenty of more, but I'd have to think about it. The Jamal Crawford thing, by the way, for anybody that did not know, Jamal showed up to a, a media um, ball game uh, between just all guys who were playing in the media, and all of a sudden Jamal shows up and plays with them, and so it was a bit of a surprise, like Shane said, and a pretty cool moment to get a chance to play with and play against Jamal Crawford. So there, there are some uh, some videos here and there. I think uh, Tomer had one <laughs> where uh, he yeah. had Jamal come up to him. So a, a, a oh. very cool moment for sure. I got to say, next time you have, you have Tom Marilyn, which I will presume will be at some point, yeah. uh, whether it's this summer or next season, ask him about me completely owning him on a possession. Took him off the dribble, laid it up, and I said, where are you at, Tom I said, where are you at, Tom He was just gone. So definitely have to ask him about me killing him on that possession. Absolutely. <laughs> I will. One final thing for you. If the Clippers do get Chris Paul, do you truly think yeah. they can win it all? Can, yes, will, I will never bet on it again. I am done picking this team to make the finals. Yeah. I'm done picking this team to do anything. Um, I'm going to, it's going to be, if it's going to happen, it's going to be like 2021 where it's kind of a surprise where they're, they're kind of counted out and they end up making a run. Um, so done picking them. And I, I think they missed their window and it sucks to say that, but I think they missed their window because of you see, you see Denver is still young. They're still pushing through. And Phoenix, I, I don't think the, the Clippers, even though the Suns are not a, a roster that's filled out right now, it will be filled out soon with returning guys or new free agents they get on the minimum. I, I think the firepower will be too much for the Clippers to overcome. I think the Clippers probably enter next year as the third or fourth best team in the West, and that's not that's not good enough. 
Yep, I agree. Uh, I don't think your team's good enough, even when you add a guy like Chris Paul, to beat Denver. And I think that's now the way all these teams have to operate. Is it enough to beat Denver? Is it enough to beat Booker, De- Kevin Durant, um, and Bradley Beal, like in DeAndre Ayton? Like, is it enough? And so Lawrence Frank is probably going to be doing some work, and I wouldn't be surprised to see some sort of blockbuster get pulled off. And it's not going to be yeah. – Marcus Morris and Nicholas Batum for somebody that's going to all of a sudden save your season. Like that's not going to occur. Now with the Clippers trade some draft picks and maybe trade a guy like Powell or Mann to get a guy um, that could be a star. I mean, Damian Lillard, maybe who knows? Um, But there's like we said, there's a lot of rumors that and who knows what's going to actually happen. And as much as we all know that Steve Ballmer is completely 100% comfortable with paying any type of money. I mean, it doesn't matter if they blow past the second apron every year and go and repeat tax every year. Like he's going to pay it. But as much as we know that, like at some point he is going to pull the plug. At some point he's going to say, "I'm not paying all this money for a first round, second round exit. I'm not paying all this money to get embarrassed." Whether it's because although they compete hard whenever they're injured, the embarrassment comes from the guys just not being there when it matters, and then fans just piling on that like oh my god all these injured stars like you 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 bank your your future on on two guys that are never there when it matters so i think at some point i don't know if it's 2024 or when they open up the intuit dome the following year after that like at some point he's going to say enough is enough and if they can't make the conference finals this year you you want to say some hard questions are going to be asked and and you're going to get some tough answers but then again they are opening up that into a dome next season after this. So, man, I, they're in a, such an interesting spot because Steve Ballmer has a lot of decisions to make. Yeah, they're an awful spot, honestly. I mean, they're in a really bad spot with two guys that cannot stay healthy, and both guys are going to ask for multi-year contracts and very possible that they both ask for no trade clauses. And there's, there's no shot in hell. I'm giving either one of them a no trade clause because we just saw what happens with Bradley Beal when you do that. So you're going to be giving guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard um, four or five year deals worth, what, 50 plus million a year. That's a lot of money. And so that's why I wouldn't be surprised to possibly see these two get broken up sooner rather than later. But at the same time, if you go ahead and you bring in a guy like Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson um, and get rid of a guy like Paul George, does that make you more of a winner now? No, it doesn't. It, 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 and Kawhi but, would be absolutely irate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it builds your future. I mean, you have a guy like Scoot Henderson and Terrence Mann and Zoo that you can build around going forward, but it doesn't help you win now. So if the Clippers go ahead and trade Paul George, then I, I think they got to trade Kawhi Leonard as well. Um, I, I don't think you can do this half-ass because if you do this half-ass or you bring in youth around one of those two guys, it's not going to get you anywhere. So I think you either go yeah. full-on youth or... Or you go and you do what we did, what we discussed in this podcast, and you bring in guys like Chris Paul, guys you can hope can help you win now. Because the Clippers, frankly, are in an awful situation, like we've discussed, and there's not a whole lot they can do unless they pull off a miracle. Yeah, a miracle. That's going to be what the Clippers' 2024 season is going to hinge on. Because you need luck. You need them, and you know, I think I think we should say like we shouldn't act as if. Denver and Phoenix are going to get through the West 100% fully healthy. Like something will happen. Of course. You know, it always does something, you know, maybe the Clippers have another window here that they can crack open. But, um, I mean, it is kind of sad, Brandon, that the 2019, 20 season, the first year of this core, the first year of four 
um, was the year that they had mm-hmm. somewhat a, a semblance of health. I mean, you know, PG started that year rough with with health and Kawhi misses back to backs, but that was the year. And for them to not get back to that, I mean, at some point you have to say the basketball gods might might benefit them this coming year with Kawhi having this much time off to kind of rehab that knee and get back in, and get, get back and going. But we haven't heard anything about him having surgery. I'm assuming he didn't. I don't know. You know how the Clippers operate. I know how they operate. Like we're not going to find out. So um, they just need luck, and that a luck and miracle is what they need. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be a very interesting off season, and uh, to nobody's surprise, we're at 48 minutes. So Shane Young, <laughs> always awesome having you on, shooting the shit, talking Clippers hoops at Young NBA on Twitter. You can read his stuff at Forbes. Shane, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, Brandon. You can follow me on Twitter at BD Marcus. Of course, Sports Ethos Clippers podcast at Ethos Clippers on Twitter. You can rate and review the podcast. It certainly does help. Give us that five-star rating. Drop a review as well. Big thank you to my guest, Shane Young. Until next time, go Clips.